coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts, we are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, as always, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Fellas, divisional round just ended. Couple interesting games for sure. Ravens are upset by the Titans. 49ers took care of the Vikings. Chiefs, that comeback against the Texans was entertaining for most. And the Packers outlast the Seahawks. Matt, any takeaways from the divisional round of the postseason? Uh, Disappointing game for the Ravens, for sure. That was the biggest shock of the weekend for me. You know, Jackson throwing the ball 59 times. It was was not how how they won during the regular season and became, you know, really one of the best teams in football. So it was surprising to see their game plan change. And it was that, that Chiefs-Texans game, that was that was an exciting one. I, I thought it was really funny how an hour into the game, everybody was calling for Andy Reid's head. And then by the end of the game, you know, he's still he's back to being one of the greatest coaches of all time. So uh, it was hot take Sunday for the, for the divisional round weekend for sure. Yeah, I thought it was hot take Sunday as well, and a lot of that was aimed at the Ravens. You mentioned the upset there. Lamar Jackson caught a lot of grief throughout the weekend on social media. Uh, probably probably didn't deserve everything that he got. Ryan, your thoughts on the Ravens getting upset? I know you were hanging out with a bunch of Ravens fans watching that game. Yeah, I was. A bunch of Ravens fans, a bunch of Louisville Cardinal fans that were cheering hard for, for Lamar, as was I. Um, certainly disappointing. I think he does deserve the the bulk of the the blame for this. I mean, multiple multiple turnovers by him. Uh, he really just seemed to lose his cool a little bit, and that's probably what comes with being a a young quarterback. So it doesn't mean I'm worried about him long term. It doesn't mean their season was a waste. Um, his season was still was still amazing, and if anything, I'm just hoping this allows there to be some type of discount on him in dynasty leagues. I don't really think that would be the case. Uh, but if, if there's even a, a small discount, we should jump on that. I think I'm, I'm really mostly surprised though. We're two or three minutes in here and neither one of you have brought up the Packers yet. <laughs> well, we're not a Packers podcast. We're a dynasty podcast. And if anything, the, the biggest dynasty story of the weekend was how animated and how upset that you could visually see that Lamar Jackson was on the field. Hopefully he learns from it. Uh, I hope you're right, though. If that creates any kind of buying window, that that's something that Dynasty owners can jump on. The Chiefs come back again, like Matt said. That was entertaining for sure. And then when it comes to the Packers, that game seemed like, Matt, Packers had a nice game plan. They executed in the first half. 
defense got tired late but made the stop when they needed to. And Aaron Rodgers, he turned back the clock a little bit at the end there, made some nice throws on third downs to seal the victory. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, you know, I was super excited at the end of the first half. And then as they started to slow down again, like they've done all season in the beginning of that, that second half, uh, I just saw that, you know, that epic Packers uh, collapse that has happened so many times to this team. You know, the, the last time they play, played Seattle in the playoffs uh, went on, on that ridiculous play when Bostic missed that, uh, catching that onside kick and, and all that. So uh, I'm glad they were able to pull it out. I was surprised with that play call. Uh, with that on that third down to that long completion to Devontae Adams that kind of sealed the game for him uh, but obviously very excited to see that and uh, I'm still worried about next week in San Francisco because that defense is a lot different than Seattle's defense uh, but very exciting to be back in a place where we have a chance to get to another Super Bowl at least. Well our listeners can uh, hang out till the end of the episode we'll do some predictions because we all did so well last week predicting what would have happened this week we are going to continue our four-week series fellas we're covering some off-season topics that dynasty owners should be keeping their eye on for all the 32 teams we're going division by division we began the series last week of course with the afc and nfc east but before we get to that matt you had one thing to bring up yeah, we are partnering with the Safe Leagues, our buddy Scott Fish over at Safe Leagues, uh, com. If you guys are going to claim an orphan this year anyway, uh, you might as well do it with them. You know, Scott Fish and our buddy Ryan here are both commissions over there with that service. So if you want a place to, you know, play safely, if you don't know a commissioner that's starting a league or you're, you're questioning, you're just getting into it and you want to you want to play at a place where you know where your money is going to be safe and you know the league is going to be well taken care of, you can go to safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans and you can pick up an orphan team at all different price levels. And there's not a, a, a certain deal yet, but Scott has assured me that they're working on it, whether you're going to get some kind of discount on your team or some kind of kickback somewhere else during the season. When you're going to claim one of those orphans, use our code DYNASTY. That's just D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y. And uh, you'll get something for entering that code. Again, not not 100% sure what that is yet, uh, but it'll be something. So if you're going to pick up a team anyway, you might as well get a little bit something back for it as well. So once again, that code is DYNASTY at safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans. Yeah, and I think I speak for all of us when I say Scott Fish, one of the best commishes out there. Uh, Ryan, same thing. So you know your league and your team will be in good hands if you head over there, safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans. Let's get to the meat of the episode, fellas. As I said before that read, Matt, uh, began the series with the AFC and NFC East last week. If you missed that, go check that out, of course. Uh, We're going to continue this week, though, with the AFC and NFC South, guys. And we'll start on the NFC side this week. Matt, is there an off-season question that we need to be pondering as dynasty owners for the division champion Saints? Yeah, I think we... We're pretty sure Breeze is coming back, but you never know. So I guess the question I am, I've am i been thinking about this offseason is if it's Drew Breeze or if it's Teddy Bridgewater or if it's somebody else, does it really matter for the rest of the offense's piece from a dynasty and fantasy standpoint? So for me, I, 
kind of don't think so because all we really care about outside of that quarterback in a super flex league is our Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas obviously was very successful the entire season, no matter who was at quarterback for them. And then Alvin Kamara, you know, he had a little bit of down year, especially early on uh, when he suffered that knee injury in October. Um, so I'm not really sure we can pin that too much on the quarterback. So for me, you know, it's mostly about the system and Sean Payton. And I trust that no matter who that quarterback is going to be, whether it's one of these two or a rookie or another free agent that might come in, I don't, I really think it really matters, but maybe you guys think differently. Do you, are you guys worried about that that offensive situation, depending on the quarterback is? I, I'm not all that you know worried about it. it. It feels to me like Breeze is going to be back, and all the tea leaves seem to, to read that way, I guess. Uh, it'd be a surprise if we saw anything different. I guess if Bridgewater was the quarterback, we, we got a glimpse of it, so we – We've seen that offense with Bridgewater in, in control. And while maybe it, it didn't look quite as dynamic and, and didn't l- look like they were trying to push the ball down the field quite as much as when Breeze was under center, the those main guys that you mentioned there, Matt, they still got theirs. So um, I'm not I'm not super concerned. That offense certainly is going to look, look different and a lot more like the Bridgewater-led offense that we saw in the middle of the season if Breeze isn't there. Either way, it feels like these these big big names, big dynasty names that are in New Orleans, they're they're going to get theirs no matter who's under center for the Saints. I think the only thing that might be effective if we don't have Breeze under center is maybe we care even less about the secondary options like Traquan Smith. We all like Traquan Smith, but he really hasn't, you know, developed the way we had hoped. Flashes here and there, but with Bridgewater under center, maybe you know these secondary targets are a little bit less attractive just because he's probably not going to re- be reading the field as well as Breeze. Yeah, and that probably bleeds into maybe Jared Cook because he's a little bit farther down the totem pole on the target uh, list anyway, and then maybe even to Latavius Murray as that number two running back as well. Ryan, how about an ADP riser or faller out of New Orleans? Who do we want to highlight here? I think we've got to talk about Alvin Kamara a little bit. Of course, I think everybody would agree he had a little bit of a disappointing season. Matt, you mentioned the injury that that slowed him down even after he came back from that wasn't quite himself went on a long uh, scoreless streak and then finally picked it up and, and broke that streak late in the season but unfortunately for fantasy players it was uh, that was mostly too late as it happened in the last couple weeks of the season his current ADP is 4.8 so still being valued as as a top five player uh, he's also the RB4 currently as he was earlier in the season. He began the season, though, uh, with an ADP of of 2.5. So we have seen him drop a little bit. And what really stands out to me here is actually a question I asked on Twitter the other day. I, I just wanted to know, who are the running backs that you would accept if you're trading away the 1.01 rookie pick? And of course we know we'll, we'll get into that, this exciting class very soon here on, on the show, but we all know it's, it's looking pretty loaded right now. And, and those early picks are being ve- valued very highly. So that's what I wanted to know from, uh, from the community. And of course there were lots of answers of Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. Those two showed up on essentially every response, but Alvin Kamara did not. In fact, he was probably mentioned only about half the time and I got close to a hundred responses. So that tells me that uh, certainly his value has dropped. If, if anything, it, his trade value has dropped, although his ADP hasn't fallen far. And I think he's, 
he's close to being uh, leapfrogged by guys like Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb as well. So I think it's fair to say he, he may have fallen out of that top tier. We had that big four, and I think now it's more of a big two with a larger second tier. You know, Ryan, that's all really good information. He still feels like a multiple first-round pick kind of guy if you're trying to go get Alvin Kamara. Now, maybe if you're if you're given the 101 or the 102, and maybe that even bleeds into the, the next couple picks beyond that, that changes slightly. But if, if you're in the middle to back end of the first, you, you got to give a couple of those kind of picks, maybe plus a second or plus something else to, to reel in Alvin Kamara, right? I think so. And um, I don't I don't say any of that as far as the the value drop or the the trade question. I don't say any of that to say that I'm worried about Kamara. I think he's he's a great buy this offseason, especially if his value has dropped. But I I think it's pretty clear. And and honestly, I think back to Matt's topic, if Drew Brees does leave, I, I think that would hurt Kamara's perceived value even more. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, we brought up the Breeze and Bridgewater matter, talking about Kamara. The list kind of goes on and on when it comes to the Saints and, and how dynasty owners will look at this franchise over the next handful of months until the 2020 season really kicks off. They're a fascinating team. They're a team that has seemed to be all in making trades and making lots of moves to try to get Breeze one more shot that this window is closing for sure. So holding the 24th pick in the first round feels like there's a lot of things that they could do that would help dynasty owners, maybe add that another weapon to that offense. But, but it seems like that defense is going to be where they're going to be spending a lot of that, a lot of that equity that they've built up to try to make one last run in 2020. Uh, Fascinating team, no doubt going to be a lot of fun to see what New Orleans does over the next handful of months. Let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons, Matt. Who are we thinking about here as fantasy owners? What's that off-season question that we as dynasty owners should be thinking about over the next few months? Yeah, this is largely for contenders, I think, uh, because I think Julio is probably an obvious sell if you're not a contender. Uh, but since we are all always contending on this show, uh, uh, I wanted to take a, take a look at his value right now. And right now in uh, our brand new January ADP up on DynastyLeagueFootball.com, we have Julio coming in at 26th overall. So basically the 302 in a startup draft at wide receiver 14 which, you know, feels pretty low for Julio, like compared to where he's been going in, in recent years. You know, it's still that fringe first rounder, early second round guy. So he has fallen that way. But his trade value, I don't know if we can really say that it, it kind of matches that ADP right now. We have a few trades in the trade finder right now uh, over the just in, in 2019 or sorry, 2020. We're in 2020 now, guys. Uh, Julio for Marquise Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Like I, I I don't know if I would do Marquise Brown straight up for Julio, but it'd be pretty close and be able to get Lev Bell on top of that to fill out, you know, probably a running back two position right now. That feels pretty good return for Julio and one quarterback league, Josh Allen and Julio to move up to Tyree kill. I love that a lot. Uh, Julio in a fourth for Chark in a first. You know, I, I don't know how much more you could really get for Julio right now than a late first. If we're talking strictly in picks, I don't think you're going to get uh, two firsts, certainly, maybe not even a first and second. So if I can get younger to Chark uh, and pick up a first round pick, I like that quite a bit. And then Julio and Bo Scarborough for DJ Moore. And I'm pretty sure right now all of us would move Julio straight up for DJ Moore. So, uh, you know, I, I if you can get him for slightly less than market value right now, which is in that, I think in that late first range, then I think he is a worthy buy for a contender. Cause he's, I still think he's going to be a guy who's going to be productive for the next year or two. But if you can turn around and move him 
and, and move down in age, buy back some years, and, and get to another elite option like Tyreek Hill for for you know adding something minimal on top of Julio, then I really like doing that right now, even for contenders. So he might just be a sell all around at this point. Uh, even though I went into this kind of this this exercise kind of thinking he might be a buy for contenders. Matt, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head there right at the end. He's, he's a sell no matter what for me, especially considering some of those trades that you mentioned. The DJ Moore one really sticks out, buying back those years, getting a guy with elite upside. Seems like the type of move that I'm willing to make, whether I'm coming off a championship and looking for back-to-back, or I'm one of those teams in the middle just trying to, to make that jump into the upper ep- echelon and trying to contend. Ryan, first of all, what are your thoughts on Julio. I, I know you like to move these guys that are in their 30s and especially guys that have, have shown that elite upside and, and those put up those elite numbers. And then is there an ADP riser or faller out of Atlanta that we should be watching as well? Yeah, as far as Julio, I'm, I'm certainly on board with selling him. I agree with what you guys said. I think the only problem is your it, it, well, is really going to be finding the right match uh, in your league. You know, of course, you're already you're looking at 11 possible options. And if four of those are rebuilding, they're not going to have interest. And maybe a couple of others just aren't going to buy a, a declining asset or an aging asset. So now you're down to, to two or three, four options. So that that's really going to be the, the issue with trying to sell Julio or, or other guys in that range is uh, you're not going to have a league full of people even interested in him, honestly. But in general, I I agree with the idea of selling. And Matt, those deals you mentioned were, uh, were definitely surprising, for sure. The player that I would look at here is another faller, another running back, Devontae Freeman. We've already seen a major fall from him. He entered the season with an ADP of 52. He was a low-end RB2 at 23 overall uh, among running backs. Now he's barely inside the one, uh, the top 100 with his current ADP from January, 97.5 ADP. He's the RB32, and, and that backfield was kind of a disaster this season. Uh, Freeman was a disappointment again. Ito Smith had some injury issues. It wouldn't surprise me if this team spent a, a day two pick on a running back, and uh, Freeman could could easily be the backup or uh, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what his contract situation is, but he could even be cut from this team if they land a rookie running back. Yeah. It feels like a window has opened up where, where they could move on from Devonta Freeman for sure. So that's something to keep an eye on. Certainly a team that if they were to invest that second or third round pick in a running back, Ryan, that's a nice landing spot, especially if Freeman's moves on. Uh, let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, another team that is going to be fascinating throughout the offseason. Lots of question marks for sure from Jameis Winston and his future, whether he's going to be back. If they move on from him, what kind of quarterback could they be adding? <clears throat> Tom Brady, would that be a lot of fun or what? Lots of questions, Matt, in Tampa Bay. Which one should Dynasty B owners be most interested in? Well, I don't know if we should be most interested in this guy, but I'm I'm really curious about what you guys think about doing with with 
Brashad Perriman right now. Obviously, he came on extremely strong at the end of the season with injuries to both Mike Evans and and Chris Godwin down the stretch. And it and it does seem that you know all of these guys' value are are going to hinge a lot on whether or not they bring Jameis Winston back. Uh, but you know the target share there was obviously super top heavy with those top two receivers. And if we ever get OJ Howard involved, you know he's another target there. So with both those guys healthy, it seems like Perriman probably. Uh, doesn't have much of a life in in Tampa Bay, but he is a, a free agent. So based on what he did there at the end of the season, there's a chance that you know he could go somewhere and, and play a key role in an offense. You know, maybe not as the as the wide receiver one, but certainly as a second option in an offense, I could see that happening. So right now he's going as 133 overall wide receiver, 61. Uh, which seems kind of low based on what he did at the end of the season. So it kind of feels like a buy based on that. So I went to the trade finders, figure out what he was going for. And again, you know, he's basically being moved for for peanuts. Uh, Cody Latimer in a late third, 2021 second, and uh, a 2024th round pick. So, you know, for these prices, maybe I think probably a late third would probably be about the, the, the most I'd be willing to spend on a guy like Brashad Perriman. But with him potentially moving teams, uh, then then I think it's worth a speculative ad for, for one of these cheaper prices if you can if you can get that if somebody's looking to just purely cash out. Uh, you know, but on the other hand, I can totally see, you know, okay, you got what you got for him. And if you can get a third round pick, you might as well take it and, and, and you know, roll the dice with a with a third round rookie in the upcoming draft. But he feels like a guy who maybe has turned the corner, you know, obviously uh, uh, just battered with injuries in Baltimore, never really just cooked on. And then in Tampa Bay, never really did anything until those top two options went on. But he did show that he can play, I think, with, a, with a, if he ends up with a quarterback that is willing to push it downfield like Jameis Winston is. So I, I think he's worth a speculative ad as a, as a depth receiver for your team. What do you guys think? Ryan, I think, and Matt as well, I think there's a very good chance that there is an NFL front office executive somewhere that watched what Brashad Perriman did towards the end of the season and said, that's the guy that I think can, can be our wide receiver, the guy on the outside that stretches the field and, and makes big plays for us. So I, I think there's a good chance that he's paid as a back-end wide receiver one from NFL terms. And if that's the case, if a team's willing to invest that and there's already a quarterback in place for that, he is well worth a third-round pick in, in trade to try to add a guy that, that's going to be a focal point of an offense somewhere. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You look at the free agent class of wide re- at wide receiver, certainly some big names, A.J. Green, Larry Fitzgerald, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, none of those guys are going to get monster contracts. And uh, in Fitzgerald's case, we don't really expect him to be playing for a new team. Uh, Amari Cooper likely to stay with Dallas. I think that's fair to say. So the, the group gets thin very quickly. And one thing that stood out to me is that some of the main guys available, Perriman's one of them, Robbie Anderson, Philip Dorsett are the two others. These are those, those speed wide receivers that make, uh, make the impact with that big play. And it seems like it's, we're, we're going on years now that saying the Philadelphia Eagles need that type of player. Uh, I think, I believe I remember correctly that they tried to trade for Robbie Anderson a couple of years ago. They tried to fill that spot with Deshaun Jackson recently. Robbie Anderson's going to be the bigger name on the market and, and get the bigger deal, but some team is going to be the loser in the Robbie Anderson market, and they could certainly go after Perriman. 
I would love for that to be the Eagles. And I agree that would, that would easily make him worth the third rounder and, and a few other landing spots would. as yeah, well. Yeah. I think there's, there's a handful of landing spots for sure. And, and if you're uh, in agreement with, with Ryan and myself, and I think Matt as well, I don't want to speak for you. Now's the time to make that offer because the day he signs with Philadelphia is the day that price goes up. Of course, ADP faller with the Buccaneers, Ryan, you had Ronald Jones. Let's talk about that. Yeah, Jones is an interesting one because he he hasn't fallen yet. In fact, over this uh, th- this past season, he's been a major riser. He entered the season with an ADP of 142. He was the RB53, and now he's up to 89 overall and the RB30. I don't know about you guys, but Ronald Jones seemed like, again, in his second season, he just had multiple chances to to impress, to really take that job, and and he never really did it. We talked about the questions that the Buccaneers have uh, at their quarterback position especially. I think they have as many questions at running back, and I think this is another team that needs to hit free agency or the draft to find a new starter. I think Jones is going to just lose a ton of value when they add somebody. There's been at least some speculation that maybe that's Melvin Gordon, maybe it's Kareem Hunt. There's multiple guys uh, multiple running backs, both through free agency or through the uh, the rookie class that would kill Jones' value. So I think now's the time to move him if you can get even close to that uh, ADP value. And I think he's going to be a faller in the coming months. Yeah, it feels like it's last call for sure with Ronald Jones. If, if you're trying to get anything out of him, now's the time to be shopping him. Uh, trying to get anything back for him seems like the right move to make. Let's move on to the Carolina Panthers. Matt, there's a guy in Carolina that's very near and dear to your heart that I, I don't think you'd ever sell, would you? I, I don't think I would, but I think it's fair to ask the question if it's time to sell Christian McCaffrey. You know, he's the 101 now over Saquon Barkley. He, he's the RB1. He's the, he's, the, he's the first player taken in pretty much every draft right now, regardless of the format. So uh, you, you hold think Hold on, you, Matt. Matt, hold on. So... So the guy with Saquon comes to you and says, I'll give you Saquon. What else do you need for me to get CMC? What is it? Man, I, I, I feel like you should probably just take it if you can get anything. I, I would probably want, you know, like a late second. I don't know if I would take necessarily a third, but I, I think they're pretty close to even for me. I mean, it's a slight lean for me, obviously, to Christian McCaffrey, but uh, you, you buy back one year of age. Um, you know, they have, you have the offensive, uh, uh, you have the coaching turnover in, in Carolina. So there's that chance there. Um, so I think probably if you can get anything on top of Saquon, then you, then you'd take that deal. But I, I don't want to <laughs> just, I just think Christian McCaffrey is so safe. You know, he, he's not going to catch a hundred passes every year, but even if you take 20% off of his, his reception total, he's going to be in the top three to five, maybe probably top three, I would say of receptions every year at the running back position. He's scoring, you know, as a, as a wide receiver and, and as a running back. So I, I don't know. I think, I think, I think the question you asked, yeah, you take any, you take Saquon plus anything you can get for him, but I, I, that doesn't mean I want to sell Christian McCaffrey, you know? That, yeah. That you mentioned it there, Matt, the, the one drawback or the one, you know, red flag, or it's really not even a red flag. It's just a little small question mark is there's a coaching change. There, there's there's a new set of eyes on the on the franchise and and there's there's a new offense going to be implemented and all these things there is a chance that they scale back on the usage and that he's not on the field 100% of the time 
And we've seen it before where running backs get that kind of usage before a coaching change. And then afterwards, the new coach sees things differently and uses these players in a different way. And maybe that, maybe we, we talk about that 20%, uh, that 20% falling off his, his, his pass catching usage. What if it's more because they just don't use him that way? I just, I think if they're not going to use him, they're going to use him less in some regard. It would be as a runner because he is that smaller guy. But I think he's proven the fact that he's, you know, he's, he doesn't take those giant hits. He knows how to take a hit in a way that it's not going to really affect him. You know, obviously the workload is a serious concern in terms of how much he's had the last couple of seasons. Um, But I think if he was going to fall off, it would be more from a running standpoint than from a receiving standpoint. I just think that, that he's so safe that, even if, if he doesn't, even if he doesn't return 101 value, he's going to return some kind of value just with his receiving ability. So I don't think sticking with Christian McCaffrey. You know, we've talked about moving these backs as they head towards their their, their the end of their first contract. Uh, uh, I think he's a little bit different just the way he, he could be used as a receiver. So uh, you may lose some value there, but I don't think the production is going to fall off too much, at least in a PPR setting. Um, but for just to take a look at what some people have gotten for him uh, in 2020 so far, uh, it's not quite as much as you would think, honestly. So it, 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 it lends me back to maybe wanting to hold. So Christian McCaffrey, a second and third for Miles Sanders and two first round picks. I mean, I think I would probably rather still have Christian McCaffrey there, depending on where those first lie. In a one quarterback league, Christian McCaffrey and Matt Ryan for Patrick Mahomes, Cooper Cup, a first and a third. So yeah, you're getting that big quarterback upgrade, but again, one quarterback league. Uh, I know we've talked about a lot how these top three quarterbacks are kind of distancing themselves from the rest of the pack, and Matt Ryan certainly isn't a, an exciting option, but I think you can still you know ride him in a one quarterback league setting. Uh, and getting one first is nice. I love Cooper Cup, obviously, uh, but I'm not sure I would necessarily move them for that that top running back and then this one is maybe the most interesting I guess Christian McCaffrey for uh, Evan Ingram three 2021st and a 2022nd now at that point you, you know you, you're, you're thinking that three uh, at least one of these three first round picks are probably in the in the middle or upper half of the draft so once you get to that point uh, especially if you're a rebuilding team or a team I don't I can't imagine you're a, re, or you're a rebuilder with Christian McCaffrey on your team after 2019 but if for some reason you are you're starting trying to kind of start over then I think that's a pretty decent return for him I don't think you're really going to get much more than three first round picks in 2020 for any player so if you can get that plus a little bit more just for that one running back then that seems like a move that I might make depending on my roster setup I don't know about you guys, but I didn't play in any leagues where the CMC owner didn't make the playoffs. (laughs) And and in most cases, he was in the title game or or probably a champion. So, Ryan, let's bring you into the conversation. I want to hear your thoughts on McCaffrey, of course. The question is, is it time to sell McCaffrey? And then also, how about an ADP riser and faller for the Panthers? I think it's at least time to consider selling. Uh, We talked about this last year when – when Barkley's value was basically unanimous 101, does it make sense to sell? And and while he's got a, plenty of years left in his career, we did see him slip a bit this year. And I think there's a legit concern that the new coaching staff will will decrease those touches. I think that's, in fact, regardless of a coaching change, I think you almost have to assume he can't keep this workload up. Uh, I'm surprised he did it two years in a row. I can't imagine it would happen for a third straight year or beyond. So I like the idea of moving him. I think the last deal Matt mentioned with the three first rounders, and I believe it was Evan Ingram. That's probably the only one I would consider of, of the deals he listed. 
I think if you're looking at the bottom part of the first round, I would try to get two of those guys. And and maybe that's aiming high, uh, but I, I see Tyreek Hill and Chris Godwin, and then you see Mike Evans and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. DJ Moore is, is down in that second round. I'm aiming for two of those guys in return for Christian McCaffrey. So that, that would be my starting point. Yeah. I think, I think if you're going to move him, you want to, I would want to pivot to the wide receiver position and get out of the running back position. Cause if you're going to stay at running back and you're not getting, you know, one of uh, Saquon Barkley or Alvin Kamara, I guess if you're into Dalvin cook that high, I'm not personally, but if you're not moving to one of those guys, you I mean, what's really the point I think at moving to running back position. So I think moving to, you know, two of those elite wide receivers is the move if you're going to do it for players. Yeah, I completely agree with that, guys. And and Ryan, I've seen you nodding your head as well. Moving to the wide receiver position is a good one. I think more than anything, for me, it's getting an established talent and established some established value back as part of the trade. Now, getting the three firsts and Evan Ingram, he's established to some extent. That's nice. But draft picks on top of one of those wide receivers that you mentioned, uh, even even maybe Evan Ingram or one of the tight ends, seems like the way to go for me. I, I want something that has some established value on top of the potential of those draft picks as well. Ryan, let's talk about that ADP riser or faller out of Carolina. Yeah, the guy we haven't talked about yet is DJ Moore, and we've already seen him gain some value throughout the season. And while we talked about the arrival of, of new head coach Matt Rule maybe being a, a slight negative for Christian McCaffrey, I think all signs point to it being a good thing for DJ Moore. His beginning of year value prior to the season, his ADP was 37. Now it's uh, 20 overall. He's up to wide receiver nine. So there's not necessarily a ton of room for him to grow. I I have seen some call him a top five dynasty wide receiver. Uh, Some even calling him a top three wide receiver. I think those are more, more opinions than necessarily a ranking or an ADP we've seen yet. But looking at the two players right ahead of him in that ADP, uh, Odell Beckham and Juju Smith-Schuster, I think uh, I think you can easily make a case to take more over either of those guys. He's he's younger. He's it's probably fair to say he's got the better offensive situation right now than either of those. So I could s- still see him jumping up a couple of spots among wide receivers and overall. Uh, over the next couple of months this offseason. Ryan, I am totally buying in. As long as you're talking about the, his DJ Moore's upside, upside and potential being wide rec- top three wide receiver type of thing, um, if you're paying wide receiver nine prices overall, I, I love that. I, I can get on board with that. I, I, I see him in the same light. I, I remember a year ago we were talking about Juju. And and our eyes lit up. We were excited about the upside and the potential. Now that Antonio Browns, I feel the same way right now. As and and yeah, it didn't work out with Juju, it, but that's that's neither here nor there. I feel the same way. I'm super excited about DJ Moore in this new offense with with Rule at head coach and and you know depending on what happens with Cam and the quarterback situation there in Carolina, it feels to me like DJ Moore had a mini breakout and the big explosion could come in 2020. With that, let's move on to the AFC South, guys. Four intriguing teams here as well. We're going to start with the division champion, although they were eliminated this past weekend. Let's talk about the Texans a little bit, guys. And we're going to start here with an offseason question 
that is probably on the minds of many guys, Matt. It's it's in that backfield. It feels like that backfield should have a workhorse, a guy that we can depend on as dynasty owners. But with everything that happened in Houston, Matt, in that backfield, there's there's a lot of red flags. There's a lot of question marks, and, and we need answers. Are we excited about a rookie coming in? Are these veterans that are currently in place in Houston the answer for the Texans and guys that de- that dynasty owners can depend on? What do you think of this backfield, Matt, in Houston, and, and what are you as, dy- as a dynasty owner uh, expecting to happen for the Texans in that backfield? Yeah, you know, you think they would bring in a rookie. They, they don't have a first-round pick next year, I believe. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But I, I, I just I, – I don't, I don't think any of these guys are the answer. We all had high hopes for, for Duke Johnson when they traded for him, and then they almost immediately brought Carlos Hyde in, and that kind of sunk his value a little bit. And we thought maybe Duke would still be uh, involved as a pass catcher, and he was a little bit, but him and Kiki Cutie and Kenny Stills, they kind of all were brought in and kind of all cannibalized each other a little bit in terms of target shares there. Um, so Duke Johnson's coming in at running back 45 uh, in in, tw- in January 2020 ADP, Carlos Hyde at running back 49. Uh, I don't really think I want either of these guys. I mean, I still have a little bit of hope for Duke Johnson if if they don't end up bringing somebody in in the draft or in free agency. But there's a lot of running backs and free agencies too that we'll we'll get to when we get to that show. Um, but the the really interesting one for me, and he may not even be back in Houston next year, is Lamar Miller, and he's a boring option. Uh, he got hurt in the middle of the year, but when he was with the team and healthy, he was a you know a, a unexciting running back too but right now he's running back 62 in january adp he'll still somehow only be 29 for most of the 2020 season not quite at that 30 benchmark yet so he might have another year left in him he is however an unrestricted free agent so uh, it's possible he ends up somewhere else it's possible he stays in houston with a very cheap contract you know um so if the houston texans decide not to go out and and draft their their next running back highly or if uh, they don't want to spend up to one of these guys in free agency like a a Melvin Gordon or or one of these other guys that are going to be available, then, you know, he might be back on a contract. So so on a cheap contract. So I kind of want to speculate. And I I bet you there's plenty of leagues out there right now where Lamar Miller might even be on a waiver wire. So I would be looking for that. And if not, if he's not on a waiver wire, then I would be willing to throw like a late third round pick as a contender at at a a guy like that. If we find out that he's going to be back in Houston. So he's the really only interesting one there for me right now. And then depending what they do on uh, in the draft, and free agency obviously it like I said it feels Ryan like there's we should be excited about the running back in Houston with that offense and the weapons that are in place at quarterback and wide receiver um it just it just hasn't really materialized are you excited about what could be in that backfield in 2020 and beyond yeah I am uh, I, I just don't know who it'll be uh, as as Matt mentioned both I mean Miller's a free agent Carlos Hyde is a free agent Duke Johnson will be there. It's safe to assume, but whether they uh, whether they add a free agent in this in this pretty deep class or they hit the running back uh, at in the draft in also a deep class, they've got so many options. I think any of them are going to be an upgrade over uh, Hyde or Miller. Um, so so yeah, I am excited because I, I think they've got uh, they've got some good options 
I still like Matt's suggestion, though, of trying to buy Miller for cheap or even if he is on a waiver wire, uh, adding him because even if he does not land or does not stick with Houston, I expect him to land somewhere and, and at least be part of a committee. He he has been kind of the forgotten player missing the entire season. Yeah, and maybe there's a little bit of value there. Or maybe you can buy him now and, and see what happens. I, I totally can get on board with that. For for the record, I guess, Matt, they, they don't have that first-round pick. They also traded the third in the Duke Johnson deal, so uh, they have a second, a couple of fourth-round picks, a fifth and a seventh. It doesn't seem likely that they would invest one of those higher picks in the running back position they have needs on the edge rusher and and could could obviously need uh use, use an upgrade at a few other positions um if, if they were to add a running back though i can certainly get on board with with getting excited about that guy uh moving forward ryan how about a riser and or a faller out of houston this offseason yeah, think about deandre hopkins here and and this is a similar conversation to the one we had with Christian McCaffrey or or Alvin Kamara still obviously an elite asset. He's been the wide receiver one in our ADP for much of the last year. He's down to wide receiver two now behind Michael Thomas and his overall ADP has slid down just a couple of spots as well. He's now a mid first rounder ADP of seven uh, when he entered the season with an ADP of five. So just losing a couple spots there, but I expect that to continue to fall. I don't think he's falling out of the first round at all this offseason, but I won't be surprised if we're looking at him kind of kind of on that Julio Jones track uh, as a maybe a mid-second rounder uh, this time next year. Yeah, you know me. I've always been a DeAndre guy. I'm, I'm a big fan, and, and he had another elite-type season, carried fantasy teams and dynasty owners to championships, so... You know, I'll I'll never fully endorse getting rid of Andre or DeAndre Hopkins off your roster. He is slowly creeping up to that age where we start worrying about it. And and certainly, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Ryan. He's on that Julio John Jones track. Certainly elite, a guy you want in your in your lineup every single week. But as the age grows, so does the worry that that that's not going to last forever. Let's move on to the Tennessee Titans, guys. I, I think we got to pause just for a second and congratulate those Titans fans. Uh, it, it's been a while since they've seen an AFC Championship game. Uh, really excited for them, of course. But they have they have some stuff going on in Tennessee that dynasty owners are going to be tuned into, whether it's free agency and, and what they do with. Tannehill and you know they have this running back oh what's his name uh he's pretty good and he can carry not only a NFL franchise in the playoffs but Derrick Henry can do it for a dynasty team as well there's there's questions about his future with the franchise Matt what's the question that you're thinking about with the Tennessee Titans who's the guy that you're you're pondering as this offseason starts well before I get to him I do want to briefly mention Derrick Henry I know we've talked about him maybe even two weeks ago as a sell uh, heading out of the 2019 season and I still kind of think he's a sell to be honest with you despite this explosion in the playoffs here and maybe that makes him even more attractive a sell to be honest he was uh, 17th overall in January ADP which is you know in that second round range I don't think I'm willing to spend that that pick of him so if I can pivot to another guy in that range running back 
nine, uh, which is probably warranted looking at the names around him. But again, we talk about pivoting back to that wide receiver position. And if I can do that and grab one of those second round wide receivers uh, and get get away from Henry based on the performance of this year, then then I, I think I would recommend doing that. Uh, and, and I would be doing that personally on my teams if I if I have any Henry. So uh, but the guy I really want to talk about here is John Smith, who has come on late in the season uh, with Delaney Walker getting hurt in the middle of the year. It took him a little while to kind of warm up with Tannehill taking over, but John Smith obviously made that amazing catch in the back of the end zone on uh, on Saturday night there. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's kind of moving up. Uh, and if Delaney Walker is coming back next season, it's it's not a, not a, a stretch to say that Smith might overtake him, even if that is the case. So right now he's coming in at 139 overall, tight end 17. Uh, not a whole lot of information to be gleaned from the trade finder with John o. Smith. He did go for a second and a fourth round pick in 2020. Um, uh, I think it was uh, Devontae Parker straight up for him. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if I would go that far with John o. Smith uh, if you need a young tight end I think he might be an attractive target but his price is a little bit you know it's kind of already creeping up there a little bit so uh, right around in that range you can have guys like Irv Smith um, I think I still prefer prefer Irv Smith despite what we've seen from John o. Smith uh, this season so uh, I don't know what I'm doing with him honestly I think I need to think about it a little bit more I think I probably want to hold if I have him I don't know if you're going to really get the kind of return you might think you would for him and I think that the the purchase price is a little bit steep too if I have to give up a 20 20 second round pick uh, it seems like there will be some guys in that range uh, in this com- upcoming class that I would prefer over him. So uh, I think he's kind of a hold right now, or I guess uh, a sell if you can get that second-round pick. Yeah, with everybody, it always depends on price, of course. It, he, he mixes in, Ryan, with the rest of those young tight ends that have a little bit of upside that, that could see a spike in value or a spike in usage in 2020 and beyond. I don't know if he necessarily stands out from some of the other names that Matt mentioned and those young tight ends that exist around the league. I agree, and that's why that's why I can't get on board with with paying a second rounder right. for him. If I'm if I'm trying to acquire a young one of these young tight ends, I'm going to take my third rounder. I'm going to make my rankings of these dozen guys and just go down the line. And if I don't get number one, I'm going to try for number two because there literally are 10 or 12 of these guys that are second, third, fourth year tight ends. Uh, maybe they produced, maybe they're, they're still just upside guys like Johnny Smith or Ian Thomas. But even even some of our favorites from the past couple of years are probably more in that second round range, guys like O.J. Howard and David Njoku. So you throw those two in with the two Rams tight ends and Gasecki and Irv Smith and Janu, Ian Thomas, uh, Chris Herndon, I think is still in that range. You don't have to pay a second. You're going to find one of those guys for a third rounder or maybe even a little bit cheaper than that. Yeah, that's all very good advice, of course. Uh, let's move on to the ADP riser coming out of Tennessee. And this is a guy that we, we would probably all consider a buy, but the cost is going to be way more than the guy we just talked about, Janu Smith. Yeah, we've talked about AJ Brown a few times on here. I I don't even know if we can if we can continue to endorse him as a buy. Uh, he entered the season, of course, at a, as as a major value. Now uh, he was the wide receiver forty three eighty eight overall in our ADP. He's up to twenty three overall and the wide receiver eleven. Still kind of surprised at that price tag. I think a lot of people would immediately consider him a sell because of that. And I think he he's left a, a little bit of a bad taste in Dynasty owner's mouth after these two quiet playoff games. So 
I could actually see his price dropping a little bit. I do still consider him uh, a riser overall, though, and he's he certainly has been rising. I mean, he's he's right behind Amari Cooper in ADP. I just can't. That's <laughs> I like him just as, maybe not quite as much as you two, but I, I cannot pay that price for A.J. Brown right now. Oh, I'm hoping that he lays another egg on Sunday. Dynasty owners are are upset about it. We can't get on board with with paying that kind of price. Think it's time to sell, and I'll be that guy on the other end buying. Um, if that drops at all, I I think there's a little bit of Julio Jones and AJ Brown that that exists. That kind of upside is there, and I think there is a chance that a year from now, all three of us are sitting here saying. Why didn't we buy him when he was wide receiver 11 a year ago when that little bitty window opened up in the playoffs when they weren't throwing the football? Dan, Dan, A.J. Brown or Calvin Ridley? Come on. Give me Ridley. I I mean, (laughs) (laughs) we're choosing between two superstars, though, right? (laughs) So, I mean, seriously, Dan, you you suggest buying him, which, I mean, I love A.J. Brown. He, He was... My wide receiver one and my rookie 101 for much of last offseason. So I, I like the idea. Are you paying two 2020 first rounders for him? Like, and, and of course, we, we know those prices now. We know those land the, or those uh, actual draft picks. So let's say, are you paying the, the 1 5 and the 110? Yeah, that's, that's a big price to pay. And that's probably what the owner is looking for. I think that's a, that's a fair price. That's probably pretty, pretty close. Uh, I'm hoping to get a discount on that. That that's what I'm I'm kind of hoping for with this this playoff disappearance. I guess today probably not. I, I I probably pass on it and hope there's a better window down the road. Um, it's it's close though. It's worth considering, don't you think, Ryan? I I think well, sure because I think last year even even after he lost value because of the landing spot, he was still around the one five. Right? right, that's about where his his ADP I think landed. Um, and, and he's clearly gained value since then. He's of course worth more than one first rounder. I think, um, I think even his detractors would agree on right. that. Like an ideal, an ideal trade would be if you're holding the one Oh five and somebody says, you know, or, or you go to the, the AJ Brown owner and they say, and they say, well, we can talk about it. And you offer your entire draft. I'll give you the one Oh five, the two Oh five and the three Oh five. And and hope he takes that. It's probably it, that's cheap. That's that's an easy buy in my opinion. But those are the types of offers I'm hoping to get through right now. You you probably have to pay way more than that though. It's probably closer to that two firsts and maybe the two first plus. Maybe it's maybe it's going to change based on their opposite playoff performances. But I mean, in ADP January ADP DK Metcalf is going over a full round after AJ Brown. I think he's just as, if not more so, impressive than AJ Brown, and he has the better quarterback. They both have you know presumed volume issues with the teams wanting to run the ball more than they want to pass the ball. But I would rather have the guy attached to Russell Wilson than I would to Ryan Tannehill, despite how impressive Tannehill has been. So if I can get him for a full round difference, give me DK Metcalf there. And I think I would probably still take Metcalf straight up over AJ Brown at this point. Oh, this seems like something we could talk about for the entire offseason, and we probably <laughs> will, guys. This isn't the last time that we talk about A.J. Brown and whether we're buying or selling or, or holding A.J. Brown. Let's move on to the Colts because we have two more teams and don't have a lot of time left. Uh, the Colts, Ryan, an ADP riser or faller from Indianapolis? Yeah, this is another guy we've already seen falling, and sadly I think it might get worse. T.Y. Hilton 
entered the season as the 48th player overall in our ADP. He was the wide receiver 21. He's now 76 overall and wide receiver 35. Of course, missed a lot of time with the injury. Uh, we've talked about some of these teams with major questions this offseason. I think the Colts are one of them. It seems like Hilton, through the past few years, he was he was the constant. He was the one we could count on, and I'm not even sure if that's the case anymore. We don't know who their quarterback is in 2020. Uh, they still don't have a, a, an established wide receiver, too. So it, it's it's all arrows pointing down for Hilton. Yeah, no doubt. And Matt, you are question your question your off season question for the Colts surrounds T Y Hilton as well. Yeah, much like Julio, obviously at a much at a, at a cheaper price. Uh, I wonder if he is a target for contenders. Seventy uh, fourth overall in January ADP, wide receiver thirty five overall. Uh, some of the trades we've seen. This one just makes me sad, you guys. T.Y. Hilton and David Johnson for two second-round picks. Both second-round pick each. It just makes me – it's probably fair. It's, I mean, I would pay a second for Hilton, I think, right now. I, and I think I would for David Johnson, but, but maybe not. But it just two, – two studs from yesteryear going for not even first-round picks anymore. Uh, Hilton straight up for a second, so basically the same deal. This last one is, is pretty interesting. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, Le'Veon Bell, Evan Ingram, and a 2021 first for – DeAndre Hopkins and James White. Uh, you know, if you're looking to kind of, you know, build some depth on your team uh, and also grab a future pick, that seems like a, a, a decent return if you're going to move Hopkins. We already talked about him a little bit, but I don't know. I, I More so than Julio, just because of the price, I still want to buy T.Y. Hilton. I know the question at quarterback is there. I think if they do stick with Brissett, it's fine. I think he's fine. Uh, Hilton was only played 10 games a season, so health was a little bit of issue for him and has been in the past as well. But I still think he is, is going to be a, a – a productive receiver for us. So if I'm a contending team, like, you know, if I'm in that 210 to 212 spot, I really don't mind moving that late second round pick for T.Y. Hilton if I need a, you know, a wide receiver to maybe wide receiver three with some upside and for wide receiver one games uh, uh, in, in 2020. So uh, I believe in that team. I believe in the coach and the organization. I think they're going to, they're going to, uh, you know, get things right. So if Hilton's healthy, I think he's worth that late second. Yeah, I, I like how you put that at the end. If you if you're a contender, a true contender, you think you're you're trying to win that back to back. You hold the two twelve, and somebody's willing to give you Hilton for that two twelve, and especially if you're sliding T Y Hilton into a flex because he has that wide receiver two upside, and and if you're making him your wide receiver four or wide receiver five, he's the last guy in your starting lineup without any buys during the week. I can get on board with that. If if you're given anything other than that, if if you're trying to get over the hump, that seems like a move that is reserved for somebody that's that's desperate to try to try to become a contender or something like that. I'm not giving the 206 for TY Hilton if I barely made the or, or barely missed the playoffs in 2019 and I'm looking to get over the top. It feels to me with this draft class and Ryan, you can comment on this as well that I'd rather have the young guy that I'm going to get at 206. Yeah, I, I would agree. I still want the the pick there as well. Matt talked about a late second rounder. I think that's enough of a difference where you can gamble on Hilton, uh, given that you are a contender. And and again, just same exact conversation with Julio Jones. Your options are going to be limited as you look for trade partners. The final team in the AFC South that we need to talk about, fellas, is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They they hold the ninth pick in the NFL draft. Matt, is there a question we should be pondering as dynasty owners in Jacksonville? 
Yeah, I think I think if you can still get a second round pick for Gardner Minshew in a super flex format we're talking about, of course, then I think it's time to go ahead and do that. He's not locked in as a starter in 2020. He's going to be in a competition with Foles again at a bare minimum. And with that top, you know, top 10 pick, there is the the chance that they could a quarterback could fall to them there or they could, you know, elect to move up to grab a guy. I think they did do like what they saw in Minshew and he became, you know, they had this pulp pop culture icon there in, in, in Jacksonville. But I think we saw enough of a slide there at the end of the season, you know, call it based on the injury that he had or, or, or whatever. But I, I think there's enough there that we could possibly see them look to move on from both of those guys. It's going to be very expensive for them to move on from full. So, so they're going to have to give that a serious consideration, of course, but just the fact that he's not locked in as a starter. And I think a lot of people in the community are still considering him the, the, the go-to starter for Jacksonville in 2020. Then I'm, I'm okay getting getting out right now for a second round pick if I can. His December, uh, we don't have January uh, Superflex data just yet, but we're working on it. But in December, he was 104 overall and quarterback 27. So, uh, and he, he did go for a second round pick a couple of times in the trade finder over the last month or two. So get out for a second if you can is, is my advice there. That would be my advice as well. Um, I, I just, I, I think the upside is just not there with Minshew. Like you said, Matt, he was, he was a great story and uh, he, he was fun to cheer on and, and to see kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, and he did have some impressive games. He, he, he was the wide, I'm sorry, the quarterback for on three different weeks this season, had a couple of other games as a QB one, but lots of quarterback 15 and 16 and 18 finishes. And I think that's kind of who he is, especially with that team that wants to run the ball and focus on that. So yeah, getting out for a second round pick makes a lot of sense in super flex. Yeah, it's a clean sweep. I'm, I'm selling for a second as well. Speaking of that running game, Ryan, let's talk about an ADP faller out of Jacksonville. I think it's Leonard Fournette. Uh, we saw him gain quite a bit of value throughout the season uh, due to his production. He was one of the safest running backs to to throw into your lineup every week through most of the season. Saw some increased work in the uh, passing game that really helped give him a boost. But then we saw him tail off and lose a little bit of that late in the season. This this guy's ADP chart on on Dynasty League football is looks like a roller coaster. He he has been up and down throughout his career. Uh, whether it's injuries or um, just just some on-field struggles that we've seen early in his uh, in his time in Jacksonville, he was 29 overall in the RB 13 entering the season. I think that's gonna going to be about where he ends up by the end of this offseason. But currently, he's 15 overall in the running back eight. Um, I talked about the incoming rookie class and that that. Question I ask on Twitter, very few people out of those hundred or so respondents mention Leonard Fournette as a guy that they would accept for the 1.01, and I, I think that's pretty understandable. I would rather have the 101 rookie pick than Leonard Fournette as well. And in fact, I think we could see maybe four of these rookie running backs automatically be ranked ahead of him uh, or, or drafted ahead of him once they enter the league. So he, he could go from RB8 to RB10 uh, or 12 or 15 really quickly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say when you mentioned that that poll that you you were trying to gauge the value of these veteran running backs against the 101. It, it feels like maybe the draft is going on, you're sitting there at 104 and you have Fournette. You're, you're, you're sending out Fournette 
uh, for that pick straight up and hoping to get the younger guy and the guy with the with the better landing spot or something like that in the in the early to mid first round. Uh, guys, before we get out of here, um, we got just a minute or so. I got to know from you who's going to the Super Bowl, Ryan. Give me two teams, and and you know you're, you're you've always said you're not good at this stuff. I think you're going to nail it. Who's going to the Super Bowl? I haven't been good yet this year either. I'm just going to say who I'm going to be cheering for. I'm going to cheer for the Chiefs and your Packers. So that's that's what oh, I'll go I hope with. you're right. Matt, what do you got? Yeah, that's the same. I, I, I am very afraid of San Francisco, but and I haven't picked the Packers. <laughs> I did pick the Packers last week, uh, but I'm going to pick them this week, uh, and we're going to see the Packers and the, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. That's, that's what I want to see. I really – look, I, I, I think I'm uh, – I don't know. I, I'm still not on board with the with the Titans for some reason, but I'm sure I'm wrong about that. But I just really don't want to see the Titans in the Super Bowl. Sorry, Titans fans. Oh, poor Titans fans! Wow, wow that's brutal. I'm gonna take the Chiefs. Uh, we'll make that one a clean sweep. Man, the 49ers were impressive. I, you know, I'm a huge Packer fan. I hope they play the perfect game. I think that's what it's gonna take to beat the 49ers in San Francisco. It's hard to say that's going to happen. I'll take the 49ers and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So I I really hope I'm wrong, guys. Uh, That does it for our time on the DLF Dynasty podcast. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week.